Here's your host, Alex Garrett. These days are ours, Paul Simon, fellow Queens College alumnus. And by the way, what I love about that is it's part of the song Obvious Child. And uh, there's no doubt Queens College did not deny the obvious kids like Paul Simon and I and others who graduated as a knight. Um, but these days are ours. And how do we make common sense of them? I brought on a member or a former member of the Texas Judicial Council, and he's really an inspirational coach, Richard Battle. Hey, Richard, thanks for joining me tonight. Well, first thing is thank you for having me on. And as I tell people, common sense is always in style and it never goes out of season. And part of the reason that I wrote Navigating Life's Journey was we've been under assault of our values for many, many years now, and they're the values that millions of people constructed over hundreds of years. And it seems like we're too quick to throw them away for theories and unproven uh, ideas, and that seems to cause a significant problem in our society. And part of what I'm trying to do is reestablish, reaffirm those common sense values that a lot of us were brought up on. And how do you do that? Like what, obviously you've had these experiences. So through your experiences, how have you kept your common sense, your wits and your values about? Well, partly uh, my faith has been my grounding. And I think if you, if you have a faith in a creator in something beyond yourself, it's much easier to go through some of these times we're going through and, most of the time we go through challenges in life by ourselves or in small groups. And with COVID, it's a very unique time because we're all going through the same thing at the same time. And I think there's two types of groups. One group is watching what's going on. They're waiting for it to be over with. They may kill time by watching TV, drinking, eating, or other things. And then there's another group who looks at it and says, well, I can't do certain things that I want to do, so I might as well do other things that can prepare me for a more successful future. And that group is going to leapfrog the first group. Well, so when I talk about groups around, um, adults settling into life, tell me about that. How Do you think people who are settled in are, are starting to become too complacent with it or settled? Are they becoming too settled in their life? Because I know it sounds like you want them to relax a little bit. No, absolutely not. I, I think that everyone should use every day to develop themselves to their full potential. And I believe right now we're seeing the beginnings of a, I don't want to use the word revolt, but a pushback to these draconian rules and lockdowns and senseless edicts from politicians who are not living by the rules they're submitting us to. And I think that's only going to go in the next few months. Well, you know, your own state has mayors imposing fines, and that's something we never see in Texas. So why is there such a change from sort of letting people live their lives to these fines going on in Texas cities right now? Well, it's generally in one area, and I live just outside of Austin, Texas, which is the bluest city in Texas, and the mayor there is very similar to mayors in New York and Chicago and Los Angeles trying to enforce those rules, 
and thankfully we have a governor who has kept the state open and plays what I call whack-a-mole on the mayor and keeps him ducking and keeps him from exposing himself too much and trying to submit the populace to the to the draconian rules you see in the blue cities, if you will. Well, right. And one of the biggest contrasts I had seen, Richard, is that California couldn't see a playoff game for baseball, yet your governor worked with Major League Baseball to do the World Series. And I was pretty proud of that, watching that, actually. Well, and just this week, another great example of it, the Rose Bowl game, uh, they were not allowing any fans for Pac-12 football, including California and Oregon and Washington. And there was an appeal to allow some fans at the Rose Bowl game. And it was denied, and so guess what happened? They moved the Rose Bowl game to a suburb of Dallas, Texas, because they will allow 25% fans similar to what happened during the baseball playoffs. Richard, do you think you're writing this book right in time to let to people who feel like they've been beaten down so much by these rules? I think you're telling them, hey, don't let them beat you down. Well, absolutely. And I, in Navigating Life's Journey, there's encouragement, inspiration. There's 250 examples of people, places, and events that will help lift people's spirits and give them encouragement to go through these tougher times because we have to look into ourselves. We can't rely on the government for everything. We've got to buck up, and we stand on the broad shoulders of our forebearers who went through the Depression, the, the 1918 Spanish flu, World War One, World War Two, so many other things, the Cold War. And they didn't look to government for every little thing. They bucked up, took care of things, developed their shoulders. We stand on those. And we have to do the same thing and develop our shoulders for future generations to learn from us. You know, it's interesting about carrying the world on your shoulders. I often think of Atlas and how he carries it, and I feel like you're saying, yeah, we have to carry our our, our weight as well, and I think that's an important thing to talk to, to to hit home, actually. Well, absolutely, and there, and there's so many things that I try to share that will inform people and give them optimism for going through this tough time, and I have 40 bite-sized chapters that can be read. They're all individual, so they can be read in any sequence. I have specific steps in many of those and suggestions for how people can face some of the challenges going on in their lives uh, and continue to move forward because that's what we have to do. None of us like tough times, and we all will be better off for going through the tough times, and some people this will be their life-defining event. But we have to go through these and learn how to handle tough times uh, to help us for the future. And I'm realizing another reason why I wanted you on my podcast in this time is that we are three days away from Christmas. And for many, this holiday season has been a dark time. So for those still going through it now, and we hit the darkest day last year, yesterday, rather. but what's your encouragement to those who do feel down every Christmas holiday season? Well, first thing that I learned after I'd lost my son some years ago is we have a tendency to focus on ourselves when we're struggling and ask the question, why me? Why am I experiencing this? What did I do wrong? 
And what I learned is I don't think that's the right question to ask. I think the question to ask in tough times is what now? What am I supposed to learn that can help me do better in the future and handle tough times better in the future? And I want to learn the lesson with one suffering versus having to suffer twice to learn one lesson. And that to me is an encouragement because things can always be worse. And none of us are happy with where things are right now, but we don't have to look very far to find individual people, countries, cities, uh, past history of people that went through many tougher times than what we're going through right now. Clearly losing your son has probably affected you immensely every year, but how do you cope with it? And do you think writing this book, you wrote it with him in mind? Well, there's one chapter in here that definitely is him in mind, and it's called The Dear John Message That Will Lift Every Heart. And when my son was born, I was a little bit older father, and I was afraid that I would pass before I could teach him some of the important lessons in life. And so I wrote him a letter with 43 points that I wanted to make sure he learned. And unfortunately, he passed before I could teach them to him. And I wrote a book in 2002 entitled Surviving Grief by God's Grace, and I put that letter in there. And I had not looked at it in a while, and when I was putting this book together, I happened to look at that letter, and I thought, wow, those points are still applicable in teaching our children the values of life. And so I wanted to include that in this book, uh, and I've gotten such tremendous feedback from it because they're universal truths, if you will. They're not things I invented, but they're things that all children should learn to help us be better citizens and have better lives. Do you think we're doing a disservice having all these kids on Zoom instead of in the classroom? I tend to think we are, but I wanted you to answer that question as well. Well, absolutely. And uh, the science proves that children are less likely to become infected. They're less likely to transmit if they are infected. And my personal opinion is that the teachers union is what's creating the biggest part of the issue. And if you notice, most of the schools that are private schools are open, and most of the schools that are closed are the public schools. And to me, it's a political issue more than a science. Well, there's there's no doubt about that. And you were part of the Texas Judicial Council. Have they been able to do anything to stop some of these uh, lockdown things? Or, what, or, or what's their role in all of this, trying to keep values in place in your state? Well, and that particular uh, committee was one to try to help improve the judiciary branch of government in Texas, and thankfully I was able to serve their eight years, and I'm just grateful for our leadership in Texas because they've taken a more pragmatic approach. They've taken a more common-sense approach, trusting the individual citizens to make prudent decisions, trying to minimize fear but instill prudence in people and give the people the freedom to make their own decisions as much as possible. And I think that's the biggest difference in states like California and Texas is do the leaders trust the people once they've been given the information to make prudent decisions for themselves. And I would almost say you guys are getting rewarded right now because a lot of people are leaving California and New York and heading to your state. So that's a big bonus as well. 
Well, uh, some people think it's a bonus. There was a, a piece of humor on social media out in the last couple of days that our governor issued a stay-at-home order for all Californians <laughs> to keep them from coming to Texas, which created a lot of humor because the fear in Texas is that Californians will move in and vote the way they voted in California and, and make us like California. <laughs> well, that is, that is a very, um, v- you know, viable fear, actually, and concern that that would happen. Um, but uh, it's good to see companies are saying, you know what, we're not going to tolerate what California is doing. I kind of look at it that way, too. Like, they're getting away from these measures and taxes and coming to you guys. Um, now, you were obviously close with Governor Perry. Are you as close with Governor Abbott? Have you talked to him during this whole time? Or is there anything you can share that he's been talking about that maybe the media didn't pick up on? Well, I've, I've not spoken with him directly, but the main thing I think that that I'm encouraged that he's doing again is, is using common sense, uh, using science, not trying to create fear, and again, trusting people to be free and make prudent, responsible decisions for themselves and their families. And I think that we, the people, know if we're given the information what the right choices to make are most of the times. And to take restaurants and lock them down uh, when they've had 1.4% incident rates does not make any common sense. No. To allow Walmart to stay open and shut down small businesses does not make common sense. And what the politicians have done is issue one-size-fits-all orders when one size never fits all. And that's something that's bad. And then what I fear more than anything else is there's been a major political power grab this year from different politicians throughout the country of multiple parties at all levels. And trying to rein that power back in later is going to be difficult. And we, the citizens, are going to have to do that to retain our freedom. I'm done with Richard Battle. A little more about him. He actually has been on many different boards, and he's served in these different capacities. I talk about volunteerism as well. Um, but when you see these business owners now getting very animated toward the health inspectors, rightfully so, that must tear your heart out too, because you're working to help people preserve, and yet you're seeing these business owners struggling, and you're just like, I want to help them. But even if you can't physically be next to them, how can we help these business owners um, more so than we're doing already? Uh, in the community? Well, I think patronizing them is the first thing. And the yeah. second thing is, is trying to help them lobby so they can reopen and can engage in their business. Because if they're forced to shut down and are penalized by being thrown in jail or fined, uh, we can help lobby against that. And again, it makes no sense when Targets and Walmarts and big box stores are open and the small stores aren't, and we've got to get the elected officials to realize that these decisions they're making are not common-sense decisions. It is nice to see the, that the Justice Department taking on Walmart now. I didn't realize they were involved with the whole crisis, but now DOJ saying, nope, we got to sue Walmart. That's a very big step toward, I think, uh, benefiting the small business. I, I might be wrong on that, but if you sue the big guy, maybe that will help the smaller business uh, out more. Well, the the small business is a much bigger thing than just the business itself. It threatens the existence of the middle class in our country. And without the middle class in our country, 
that causes all kinds of other issues with our freedom economically as well as politically. Uh, you talk about voting. I, I got to ask you about what your thoughts were when Texas did um, unleash that suit against a few other states. Did you see that coming at all, or did you? What, what was your reaction when you saw that happen? Well, it didn't surprise me in that our Attorney General Ken Paxton, who'd been a target of the political opposition since he assumed that office, it didn't surprise me that he had the courage to do so. It did surprise me that the court did not give Texas or the other states standing in that suit. They didn't rule on the merits. They just punted it down the road. Uh, that did surprise me because I thought it was a case worth looking at because regardless of the election, the Constitution is an agreement not only to give individuals freedom, but it's an agreement to how states work with each other and work together in the union. And if one state goes off, what if they go off and start violating the interstate commerce clause and requiring tariffs of states shipping product to them? That would violate the Constitution and the federal government's power to regulate interstate commerce. And other states would be right to sue a state like that. So the Supreme Court avoiding that decision to me opens up states to say, well, hey, we can do what we want to. We don't have to work by our agreement, i.e. the Constitution. You know, last week was Bill of Rights Day. I'm sure you followed that because it was on December 15th. And it was such an interesting day to celebrate it when a lot of rights aren't being met right now. And so I thought, why not use that day to inspire people to keep fighting for their rights? Well, if we don't, mm. uh, they will be taken away. And my fear is we've already lost some of those with the cancel culture. Uh, the rights are under assault right now. Uh, First Amendment rights under assault. Second Amendment is under assault. Those two are all works for all of the other rights, and they protect all of the other rights. When you see a pastor getting arrested for hosting a church service, even outdoors, but yet these people are able to like ransack a, a, you know, a business, loot them, I, I, that, that just gets me all twisted up, and I'm sure that does with you as well. Well, again, it's the government picking winners and losers and being hypocritical in the way they do it when they allow one group to quote-unquote protest and another group they don't allow. And that, to me, just shows the hypocrisy of the politicians. And hopefully the voters will notice this, and a lot of these people will get voted out at minimum next time. Well, they're, uh, you know, the House got a lot of Republicans in this time around, which was uh, a surprise to many, I guess. You know, your state was, I guess Rush Limbaugh mentioned it, but there was talk of secession. Why, why was there that talk? I mean, I, I don't want to see Texas leave the Union. <laughs> well, first thing is Texas was its own country for nine years uh, before it was admitted to the Union. And ever since I was a young child, there's always been talk of secession and becoming a country again. And I have to say that it's never been more uh, energetic than it is at this time, because our economy is larger than Russia's. Uh, we have an independent streak. Uh, we have an independent pride. And we feel like if that doesn't fit with other parts of the country, then maybe it's worth considering uh, going out on our own again. And that's, that's what a lot of people are thinking at this time 
who knows what will happen. It's interesting because to me secession isn't common sense, but what you're saying is it could be actually in this case. Well, I think there are several states that are considering this now. California has. There are parts of Oregon that have considered going into Idaho, becoming part of Idaho and seceding from Oregon. Uh, there's been multiple states and parts of states look at this more lately. And as, as we see more divisiveness in the future, I think we'll hear more talk of it uh, going forward as well. Obviously, I'm sure you've been doing talks about this or on Zooms. Um, when you do talk about this book, what, what is one of the main messages, uh, along with common sense, but I guess how do we achieve that common sense? How do we get our brain to that, to that instead of focus on what we're, so, what we're being told to focus on? Well, I'll give you an example of one of the messages that I think really fits this year because people with COVID have had to put, to put aside a lot of dreams. It could be a dream of a business they want to open or a family they want to add to or a trip they want to take. And one of the 40 chapters I have is a dream delayed is not a dream denied. And I have specific examples of myself and then a lady I met a year or so ago uh, that wrote an award-winning book, and she wrote it 12 years before it was published. And she wrote it and didn't get it published, uh, but her dream was still alive, and she persevered to the time she was able to get it published, and it won international acclaim. And so I hope to encourage people that just because you may have had to put a, a dream aside this year, don't give up on it. It may come at a later time, and it may come better at a later time than it could have this year. It's just about waiting it out, and I think faith in God is helping people get through this. Um, talk about the resilience of business owners. We're talking about how they're under assault, but also I feel like we should acknowledge them for their resilience, right? And I think um, faith of a lot of these owners is, is part of that. Well, yes. I, I don't know how anyone can make it through any kind of major challenge or trial or COVID without some type of faith in a creator. I don't know how you do it. If you just have faith in yourself, uh, it's going to be very easy to break down. And so I think that, that to me is, is critical. Uh, I went through a financial disaster back in the 80s when the Texas real estate bust hit. And over a course of three years, I went broke. Every month, I had to pull money out of savings to try to offset expenses in, in a real estate investment that I'd made. And it was painful. Uh, there was no expectation or hope of any government help of any kind. I thought it would never end, but it did. And I'm better off for it, uh, even though I wish I'd never had to experience it. And my, my only hope is uh, people who will go through this tough time uh, the people who go through it and learn from it will come out of it, and they're going to be stronger and better going forward. They'll never be happy they went through the experience, but they'll be happy for the lessons they learned. And, I mean, there are those who, whose will may have been lost, so what do you talk to them? How do you, how do you speak to those people as well? Well, I, I agree. I think there's some people this year, and we see that with the increase of mental uh, issues. We see it with the increase of alcohol. We see an increase of suicides. And, and the thing I tell people is uh, it's, it's never too late. 
to pursue your dreams. Uh, we're one decision away from changing our life. Uh, tough times will not last forever. I mean, I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and there was no talk about the Spanish flu when I was growing up, even though to this point it was a much more severe event than we've experienced so far, and there was no hope for government help. And so we've got to let people know there's hope, and mm -hmm. there is a hope for the future, and things will get better over time. And the best thing we can do is prepare to be able to take advantage of those opportunities going forward and look to that future uh, with that hope. Oh, man, I think anytime I hear the word hope, any of this, you know, during this Christmas season, it's very vital to hear um, through everything. Now, what, when you did you when you wrote this book, did you think that it would uh, was it applying to just this time only? Do you think this can last for years now, knowing where we're at? But this probably will affect years to come. Your your insights into this because it's a very well. Timely this piece. volume and the one, and the one before it, conquering life's course, common sense and chaotic times. Both were written to be timeless pieces because even though we're in COVID now, people will go through challenges individually in the future. So the messages and the principles are the same today as they will be 50 years from now. There's no time frame like writing a book about an election. And that's my hope is whether you read it today or if you picked it up five years from the day, there are ideas and examples in there that will lift your spirits and give you hope and ideas for going forward and having a more fulfilling life. By the way, you can find Richard at richardbattle.com. I'm appreciative we got to talk today because um, during this time, I always want to bring on someone who's bringing a different side to this. Uh, can't the media do a better job of bringing hope? I mean, I feel like it's up to really you and, and other podcasters who want to bring hope. I feel like it's up to them, not, not the media anymore. They don't want to do it anymore. It's just, it's kind of sad to me. Well, it's very sad because I think our media has devolved into a totally political narrative versus balanced news and versus giving us encouraging positive stories. They report more negative stories uh, than positive. There used to be a TV station in San Antonio that every time there was a tragedy, they were right there on the scene, and it was the old adage that bleeds, it leads, and that's they were known for sensational stories. And I think our media is much more that that way now than it has been before, whereas I think positive stories are much more encouraging. And one of the chapters I wrote in the previous book was the greatest gift we can give anyone is encouragement, and we never know when a word of encouragement may change someone's life. And that, to me, is something we can give that doesn't cost us anything. We can give that to anyone at any time, and it does nothing but lift people up. You know, I know you dealt with litigation of the Texas Judicial Council, so i got to ask you this. Why, why don't we see enough small business owners... Uh, I, I, we've seen some people suing, but I think if someone really sued, it could get to the Supreme Court, and I'm, I'm hoping that kind of happens. Like, why not sue Governor Cuomo over this test of constitutionality? Could you see that happening in the near future? Well, I could see that happening. I, one of the things I think is a more important legal issue right now, and it's not been able to be passed through Congress, 
is liability issues for businesses. And a lot of reasons the businesses have closed or slowed down is uh, they're worried about being sued by individuals over the COVID situation. And the standard is a negligence standard. And uh, the Senate, through um, Leader McConnell, the majority leader, was trying to get that raised to a gross negligence standard for four years. And that would have helped small businesses uh, it'd make it harder for them to be sued by people because someone would have to prove intent to harm versus just an accidental negligence to win a lawsuit. And to me, that type of litigation or that type of legislation to help small businesses would be much better. In the meantime, while these cities in you know New York and California, places in California, business owners are feeling suffering. Would you say would you say staying in New York is probably important too, so that we don't lose this best city in the world? Like some, I think a lot of people are saying leave New York, and I'm like, I can't leave New York, and and I hope many people don't leave New York. It might happen, but would you say staying here and fighting would be better than leaving? You know, hightailing it out of New York would would that actually be more decimating to the city than than staying? Well, I think that's that's a tough choice, and I'm probably not the most educated to offer a suggestion. But I I would say that each person has to has to judge their own situation, and sometimes it'll be better to stay and fight, and sometimes it may be better to leave and come back later. Uh, but the thing that's tough to me is the government in New York has put targets on citizens to punish them and to bankrupt them and hurt them and uh, it's it's sad to see, as someone from another state who loves to visit New York, it's sad to see what's going on there because it's unnecessary, and it's a purely political move. It's not an economic or a legal or health move. Yeah, it's 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 definitely on the people's minds. You know, I want to get to something else you talk about, volunteerism. Have you seen that aspect of the pandemic, like volunteering people – you know, putting themselves out there to help. Have you seen that a lot more now than you have before? Because it seems like you're very passionate about that as well, um, volunteers. Well, I'm very passionate about it, and there, there's been an evolution of, of how people volunteer over the last 20 or 30 years, but we we see more volunteering, I think, through the COVID situation than we've had in a while because people want to help. Uh, one thing that I don't like that's going on in the nonprofit world is I don't like the word organizer. I like the word leader better. Um, and to me, organizer has a political uh, tone to it that the word leader doesn't. And when people get together and put together a volunteer group, you have leaders within the group, uh, which to me is a much better term and a much better job uh, than an organizer, and we need people giving back to their communities to help each other. Whatever their gifts are in life, they, they can always help someone else. Uh, and, and, I mean, and I'll share uh, other. No, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I was, was going to share. A ch- uh, and and this is one I, I wrote entitled, uh, uh, Who Will See You as Their Lone Ranger? And I didn't have it in a volunteer situation, but this fits a volunteer situation. When I, I had to have a heart procedure, and, and the doctor I had couldn't do it, and 
I was in the hospital and I'd never talked to a doctor and he showed up to do a procedure and he did, he told me he didn't know what he'd have to do. He just get in there and take care of it. And I woke up and I've never to this date seen or talked to that doctor again. And I realized based on uh, watching the Lone Ranger when I was a kid on television and of course they made the movie that that doctor was my Lone Ranger because he he showed up when I needed him. He took care of my problem, and he left before I could say thank you to him. And that's what we do a lot of times as volunteers. We show up when people need us. Uh, we take care of them. We help them, and we leave because we don't need to be thanked. We're off to help someone else. I do feel like, you know, volunteer EMS and EMS in general, I, I think the medical field has been underutilized in the sense that Yes, the hospitals, they have all the nurses there, but people going to homes has decreased, and I'm scared of that. I, I wish people would have more confidence um, that they won't get sick at the hospital. I, I don't know. It's just that these people are putting their lives on the line, and yet they're afraid to be, people are afraid to call them. I think they shouldn't be afraid to call them if they have a health issue at this time. Well, yeah, and, and so much of that, again, is the news that's being put out, and there are some people based on which news they're consuming that are scared to death. And based on certain individuals, that may be the right thing to be. Uh, but I think the news has definitely been slanted away from encouraging people to help other people. Here's where I'm, I'm very curious, though. You, talk, you write to adults, other to life, and young adults. How do you, what philosophies are there? Do you teach it the same way? Do you teach it differently? Like, how do you talk to adults that are, you know, as you say, settled, and young people just trying to start out even in their in their journey? Well, I think young adults can, can read Navigating Life's Journey, and they can learn from the examples in there. Uh, because we, through the Internet, through schools, through books like this, we have the wisdom of the ages at our fingertips. And I always ask the question, if hindsight's twenty twenty and experience is the best teacher, why do the people that have neither not ask the people that have both for help? And this volume has a lot of things that can help young people starting out. Adults, the thing it will do is reaffirm the values that they grew up with, let them know they're still predominant and in force and still in style today, and encourage them to use those values with their children and grandchildren. Mm. Well, and uh, as you say, it's up to those generations to preserve it. So, uh, Richard Battle, richardbattle.com, I'm very appreciative that you came on today, and I'd love to have you back as your journey progresses, too, with this book. Well, I appreciate being here with you. I hope that there's something for each member of your audience in what we've talked about, and I'd love to speak with you again. And you can get the book at Amazon.com, or would they? Would, should they go to your website, RichardBattle.com? Well, they can get the book through any bookseller. If they go to Amazon.com and look up Richard V. Battle, uh, I have seven books, Navigating Life's Journeys, the latest one, and uh, hopefully people will find something they're interested in. Well, we'll, uh, we'll certainly push this out as well. Where in uh, social media can we find you? Uh, I'm on Facebook, Richard V. Battle, or Richard V. Battle Publish Works, Twitter, Parlor, MeWe, under Richard V. Battle. Uh, sounds great. YouTube. All right, Richard. 
Thanks so much, and we'll definitely have you back. Thank you so much, and uh, God bless America, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. I'm Alexander Garrett. Stay tuned for more of Alex Garrett Podcasting.